Quantum Deciding is a new decision-making science in which I created from my NASA experience as well as my personal stories. Did you realize back then we would evolve into what we're dealing with today? Did you have some insight into that? I mean, did you like, geez, wait until the future comes and they start to realize? Space travel is something that is very serious. There are high risks involved. Welcome to Between the Lines. I'm Lou Palumbo. Today we have a very unique and special guest, a young woman by the name of Olympia Lapointe. Her background is incredibly interesting, um, overcoming some of the most adverse conditions you can, uh, you can experience, poverty, violence, a lack of opportunity to learn, you know, being educationally handicapped in certain areas, for example, such as math, and she pushed through, created her own vision for herself, and now she's furthered that vision for others. Um, she was hailed as the new Einstein by her fans and named as the modern-day hidden figure by People magazine. She's an award-winning rocket scientist and author. She gave the, the TED Talk, Reprogramming the Brain to Overcome Fear, which is incredibly interesting. She's helped launch 28 NASA space missions successfully. Today, uh, LaPointe's Mission Control Room desk is a science exhibit at the California Science Center in Los Angeles. Currently, LaPointe regularly appears on CBS as a guest expert on NASA, SpaceX launches, and writes as a science journalist on Thrive Global. She has written three books, Mathophobia, Answers Unleashed, and Answers Unleashed 2, The Science of Attracting What You Want. It is with this great pleasure, honor, and privilege that we introduce Olympia LaPointe. All right. So no secret, your journey has been just incredible. And, I, and I'd like you to, you know, if you would be kind enough to just explain to the audience what motivates you, you know, how did you pursue or get into this pursuit and develop this skill set uh, regarding problem solving, which obviously you lent to your, uh, you know, your career and your whole life, your life's endeavors. Thank you. I, I love that question. Uh, I truly believe that the answers are actually just lying in front of us. And it's up to us to actually take the answers and, and unleash them. And that's why I have my program, Answers Unleashed. Being a problem solver is one of the biggest opportunities that an individual has. And the reason why I say that is because I took my own personal situation of growing up in South Los Angeles in the middle of poverty, and I took that problem and I used the resources in which I could find. And if you think about uh, problem solving in the middle of South Los Angeles that has just poverty everywhere, problem solving is being able to be resourceful, taking anything and everything that you have at your disposal and using it to better your situation or better other people's situations. And for me, I realized what was going to better my situation was an education. If I could educate myself, find out what my choices were, and learn the different ways of doing things, I could then not only change my life, and I would later change the lives of other people with science. So being a problem solver allows individuals to take whatever tough situation in which they are experiencing and transform it into the situation in which is going to better not only your life, but the lives of everyone around I, you. I want to ask you this question that's kind of um, not haunting me, but I'm, I'm just thinking about it. You were very young 
in, in uh, Los Angeles. I'm very familiar with Los Angeles. I just explained to Leah, one of your colleagues, that I've been out there since 1971 when I was in college. I'm a little older than you are. And, and um, I have a, a very strong familiarization with Los Angeles and the state overall. But at what age did the light go on that you realized that education, which is a, a conversation I have every day, especially in addressing progressing this culture, and in particular in minority communities, education is that vehicle. What, when did that light go on for you that you knew you had to pursue this educational endeavor? Uh, it is when I was 10 years old. And uh, if you watch my TED Talk, Reprogramming Your Brain to Overcome Fear, you will know that at the age of 10, I was sitting in a fifth grade classroom and there was a boy that was right next to me that had already been recruited into a gang at that very young age. He filed down a ring, we got into an argument and he sliced my face open. Right after that, my mother tried to to completely expel the boy. She tried to move my classroom seat. She tried to do anything possible to make sure I was going to be safe. But the the only option that existed for her was to pull me out of that particular school and place me into another one all the way across town. When I was placed into the school almost two hours away on a bus ride to get there, it was the epiphany moment for me. I realized that education differs and education differs based on your income level. And it's that's a horrible thing to say, but it's true. It's the truth. For me, I grew up in a poverty-filled area, and then I was bused and brought to an area that had complete uh, opportunities and, and new, new books and computers and things where, where, like that. Where was that, Olympia? I'm just curious, because I'm very familiar with the L.A. area. I, yeah, I resided I, there. Oh, yes, it, it was. I was brought to John Burroughs Junior High School. It was the gifted program in the 1980s, 1987. I'm dating myself right now if I tell you that, but I'll, I'll tell you right there, right there. But in any case, uh, when I was brought to that particular school, that's when I realized that there's opportunities that exist with education. And there's opportunities that exist when you know you are receiving a proper education. And not only that, you are expected to do well, solve problems, and contribute to society when a great education is instilled. And when I saw that, when I, when I came from my inner city area and then went to the area where they had all these great things, I realized that the difference in the way that we think is how we are educated to think and is how not only we are formally educated to think, but it's how we place ourselves in environments as adults around the people who will think or not think the same way that we do. This ability to be able to see the big picture and see the different ways of people think and come up with our own type of problem solving and solution finding is what allows the average person to become great and to become a leader. And when I first noticed that, it was when I was 10 years old and then brought into a new environment. And that's when I realized that each of us has the ability to change the way in which we are operating if we are learning to think differently. I suspect that the word no is not one in your vocabulary. And um, <laughs> I, I've kind of lived by that myself. I haven't gone through the, the scientific journey or, or the, how would you say, um, 
educational endeavors that you have, you know, you pursued the sciences, which I'm clearly deficient in, to be very candid with you. But, uh, you know, a lot of my journey lent itself to problem solving and, and not accepting this word no. You know, clearly the message, you know, that you are, you're giving to, the, to younger children and women in particular, as I know, is part of your, your target is, you know, just how to think, think your way through this, really. Um, I, I do want to ask you something about, you know, you, you, you helped design 28 NASA space shuttle missions, the Endeavor, Challenger, etc. You know, can you tell us a little bit about the significance of that exploration and, and, and how it benefits the country and, and what you think it might even have as a global impact? Yes, uh, I was very fortunate to work as a propulsion scientist, otherwise known as a rocket scientist. And I helped launch 28 space shuttle missions into space, Columbia, Atlantis, Endeavour, Discovery, space shuttles. And that was one of the most brilliant experiences in which I've ever had. I actually write about that in Newsweek. So if you just Google Newsweek and my name, Olympia LaPointe, you'll see my my specific story with that. It was an amazing experience because I had the opportunity to use the mathematics and science in a way that was going to create innovation. And the innovation in which we were doing in the 1990s is something in which is seen today. Like, for example, you're watching me, that we're, we're on uh, a virtual platform. That technology was launched when I was in uh, the propulsion area in this rocket science world, we launched satellites to be able to have a visual communication. And that was in the 1990s. And it was the most amazing experience. The, the simple things that we use in the, in the kitchen and the, the Teflon pans and things like that, that's actually created from our rocket science designs back then because there's different ways to be able to cook and bake metals so they don't burn. And so when you have these different things and the innovation in the kitchen is, is just one prime example of that. And then not only that, we worked on the engines that bring people to Mars. Well, not people yet, but bring rovers to Mars. And if you see that, uh, you'll know that Innovation takes time and innovation is something that's usually defined a hundred years out and two, 20 years out. And it is something in which is birthed. It is something that's a gradual process and it takes individuals to be able to see the future now and actually start creating. It. I want to ask you this question, if I may, you, you alluded to the technology that we're using at this moment. Did you realize back then we would evolve into what we're dealing with today? Did you have some insight into that? I mean, did you go like, geez, wait until the future comes and they start to realize that this continuous evolution of technology is going to lend itself to this form of communication? Did you realize that back then? Yes, um, I did. I've always been able to see the future. Uh, and I know that sounds strange, but I'm a firm believer that each of us has that ability. Each of us has the ability to see and, and look into the future and actually see what we're going to be doing, as well as see what uh, other people will be doing. It, I, I truly believe that's a natural gift each one of us is born with, but we learn to mute it with stress and, and worry and all these things. Uh, I personally saw great innovation in advance. I, I saw myself doing rocket science work when I was nine years old. It was right after the Challenger explosion in 1986, January 28th. 
1986. And I remember seeing myself at this desk doing rocket science designs. And I thought to myself at that time, uh, I am going to help keep astronauts alive. And I was nine years old seeing myself in the future. And then years later, I was at that same desk, the same desk that I saw in my mind. And I was doing the rocket science work at that desk. And I realized, oh my gosh, I, I, I saw this 20 years ago. We each have the ability to see ourselves doing something great. It's the question is whether or not we make the decision to actually do it. In in the world of rocket science, I brought that same type of skill of being able to see the future to the engineers. I, I could see how the engine could uh, explode in a way that was not contained. And in rocket science work, the whole point is making sure that something is executed to plan. Explosions happen in a certain direction. Gases flow with a certain pressure. You have a plan and you have to execute that plan. And for me, I realized that there's things that could jeopardize the plan. I could always see the risks. And when I could inform others of the risks, we had the ability to design that out so we could design in innovation. And the ability to see the future gives us each the ability to create the future that we want. And that's what I write about in my latest book, Answers Unleashed 2. When we can actually start looking towards the future and see ourselves in the future, then we have the ability to start planning to jump over those roadblocks that keep us from going forward. And when we can do that, we then develop the innovation that is not only for our lives, but for the lives of everyone that is around us. You know, we're going to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to get into this publication, Unleashed Answers to, you know, the science of um, attracting what you want. Um, we're going to be right back, ladies and gentlemen, and then we're going to go right into this uh, discussion regarding this publication, this book. Thank you. Go to our website, learn how to get free delivery from Instacart. It's quite simple. Go on their app, choose the grocery store of your liking. They will assign a personal shopper and deliver it to your point of desire. If you're a podcaster, I cannot say enough about Buzzsprout. This is how we distribute our show, by the way. To learn more, go to our website, betweenthelines.tv. You'll see we have an offer for you. Olympia, in your, in your most recent publication, Unleashed, Answers Unleashed to the Science of Attracting What You Want, you defined a new decision-making theory called quantum deciding. Can you give us a little bit of insight and a little bit more uh, detail as to the, the theory and, and your own personal experiences with this? Yes. Uh, thank you. Quantum deciding is a new decision-making science in which I created from my NASA experience as well as my personal stories. The idea is that when we have the ability to see into the future, as well as go back to the past and actually remove the fears that we have towards obtaining what we want, we then can create a powerful decision-making energy that literally transforms our lives and transforms other people's lives through making six key decisions. And so I write about this in my latest book, Answers Unleashed 2, The Science of Attracting What You Want. When we can make six decisions according to our faith, how we see ourselves in this world, uh, our 
identity, who we choose to be, our intent, how we plan to change certain situations, uh, our our learning, how we choose to gain information, as well as throw out fake news. And then when we use our resources, and then lastly, as we understand how to love ourselves in the process, we then create an opportunity for us to start attracting what we want. And it is broken down in science terms. And now the science is not only described in actually quantum physics and mathematics and the quantum mechanics that I developed in this new uh, theory that I developed, quantum deciding, but it's also told in real life stories. I'm a firm believer that people understand mathematics and science if they're told a story. Um, uh, it doesn't matter someone's background. Uh, it doesn't matter what their background is. If they understand that we each have a story to tell and that science also tells itself through a story. When people read the stories, they realize, ah, this science is actually easy to understand and I can actually use it. And so I love uh, showing how people can make six key decisions in their lives to actually move forward with what they want. Interesting. I do want to ask you this, you know, uh, in regards to the future and, and space exploration, you know, what do you see for us in the future regarding this? Um, I, I, I mentioned to you briefly before I think about um, an acknowledgement that we need to continue to explore galaxy, universe, you know, potential other life forms, et cetera, et cetera. I, I would suspect that the government's agenda might be one that lends itself perhaps to weaponizing outer space, you know, as they refer to it for the purposes of preservation of our country. Um, but, you know, what, what do you see the future? You know, do you think climate, for example, is going to have some impact on our future endeavors or our ambitions to find other places? I mean, Elon Musk is even alluded to occupying Mars, you know. Is this, is this something realistic? Um, it depends on who you ask. <laughs> I'm asking you. <laughs> Not to put you on the spot, but I'm asking you. <laughs> well, I look at the big picture. I look at the pros and the cons, if it's feasible, if not feasible. And I also look at the timeline. Some things are feasible, but it will take time to do. Some things will take uh, uh, a great amount of experience to pull off. And there will be risk involved in pulling it off. And let me describe this and I'll share the story. Before Apollo 11, we had three astronauts that were in the test flight that died in before they could even launch. And uh, if it, it was it was three individuals that gave their lives for science. And because this is what happened, they tried to launch this particular test flight of Apollo. They tried to put pure oxygen within the cockpit. Well, not complete pure oxygen, but a higher level of oxygen within the cockpit. But that was highly flammable. When there was an electric short within one of the areas of the capsule, it caused the oxygen to catch fire. And then the entire, uh, there was an entire explosion and the three people died. These individuals went in knowing that there was a risk. Space travel is not uh, a 
uh, system in which you play with. Space travel is something that is very serious. There are high risks involved. You cannot brush that underneath the rug. We had three individuals that died testing out the Apollo. We had individuals that died in the Challenger explosion in 1986. And we also had individuals that died in the Columbia explosion as tiles ripped off from underneath the wing area and then caused the hydraulic system to catch fire upon re-entry into the atmosphere. These are the risks of space travel. It's not all fun and games. It is a serious business. And when we realize that this is a serious business, we can treat it as having serious innovation. I have a question for you then. So what's your take on what's going on with Mr. Branson and Mr. Bezos? And I don't want to refer to these as follies or the boys club billionaire nonsense, but I mean, you just said something that's highly significant. This is quite risky and um, there's a lot at stake. So what, what is your perception and I'd be curious to know what NASA's perception. I'm not asking you to become the spokesperson for NASA, you know, their, their agent, as they would refer to it, or the government. But what's your, what's your take on what's going on with these two gentlemen right now? Well, uh, the great news is that I'm an independent uh, person who has rocket science experience looking at the rockets. I, I love looking at everything happening. And I love seeing the innovation that's being developed. I am a fan of the science. Uh, with Jeff Bezos, with the Blue Origin, with uh, Richard Branson, with the Virgin Galactic. I believe that they're creating innovation in which we'll be able to use in the future in ways in which will be beneficial. Now, it's really important for whoever owns these type of uh, space travel uh, programs to be able to understand the importance of one making sure human lives stay safe, to bring innovation to all people, and three, understanding that we, uh, we, have, we have an opportunity in front of us to push the boundaries, to move forward, but we also at the same time have the responsibility to save what we have right now on earth, which is our water, our making sure we save our air making sure we have the ability to live on a clean planet. I, I believe that if the individuals of these large companies uh, were to use that type of revenue to also invest in ways to be able to save our planet, in taking pollution out the, the oceans and, and cleaning up the air, I think that would be an excellent innovative approach to be able to balance the space travel with the type of issues that people are facing on Earth. You know, you, you mentioned something, you know, very important. You, you listed uh, quite a number of priorities here regarding our planet. And clearly, I, in my opinion, our number one priority is our children. They, they represent the future of, of this country and the future of this world. Um, I, I think it's safe to say that both of these individuals uh, had to enlist the services of people such as yourself to further this ambition of theirs. Is that... Uh, Safe to say, in other words, that we took some rocket scientists, for example, and put them on their private payroll to help safely develop these vehicles of space travel. Is that? Oh, some of my previous co-workers are working for SpaceX. They are working for Blue Origin. They are working for Virgin Galactic and they are working for NASA. So my close friends actually work at 
each one of these places. So I know what they go through. <laughs> I know what they do to create this innovation. And I am a fan of the science and I am a fan of what they create with the innovation. And I am a, I'm a firm believer that scientists and, and engineers and computer technology people and mathematicians like myself are people who are going to help save humanity in the future. And it's, it, we all have our peace. We all have our small piece and we are all a part of a big puzzle. And when we contribute our problem solving ability to our piece, that's when the puzzle actually gets solved. Yeah. We're going to take a quick break. And, and I do want to continue to pursue something that I think is important regarding uh, Mr. Branson and Mr. Bezos and Zebras. What's, what is that ultimately or what that could what is that potentially going to translate to? We're going to come back in two seconds, ladies and gentlemen. We're going to thank our sponsors, Buzzsprout and Instacart. We'll be right back. Go to our website, learn how to get free delivery from Instacart. It's quite simple. Go on their app, choose the grocery store of your liking. They will assign a personal shopper and deliver it to your point of desire. If you're a podcaster, I cannot say enough about Buzzsprout. This is how we distribute our show, by the way. To learn more, go to our website, betweenthelines.tv. You'll see we have an offer for you. Yeah, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We have the, the, the privilege and the honor of having Olympia LaPointe on our show today. And um, she is, I would say, quintessential problem solver. You know, her life uh, just is incredible to listen to. It's beginning, it's turning points, you know, where she started to acquire vision for herself and how she's inspiring people today to follow much in the same way that she's uh, engaged life. But we've been having a discussion about um, this most recent space launches regarding uh, Jeff Bezos and Richard Branson. And I, and I wanted to continue this conversation and I wanted to ask uh, Olivia, Olympia, excuse me, I, I want to continue this conversation and ask Olympia, you know, what ultimately these two most recent um, endeavors could translate to. I mean, are we, are we going to start to travel the country, the world, the universe in this new form of transportation? Or what's, what, what was this ultimately about, do you think? I mean, where are we going with this? Um, we're building the whole world is in the middle of a space race. And it is the United States is a part of this. The uh, other governments are a part of this. Uh, there is uh, a need to build technology. And people are, uh, governments are going to the moon. They're trying to go to Mars. It, the destination is the goal, but the true outcome is the innovation that's created while reaching it. And I say this because in order to actually create, let's say, an automated rocket like we just saw launched the other day with Blue Origin's Jeff Bezos, it takes a lot of computer programming to be able to do something like that. The entire way of being able to literally create a rocket engine that will literally fly itself and then come back down is a little tougher than creating a car that drives itself. But you got to think about this. We have self-driving cars. Now we actually have self-driving rockets. And it's the technology that is being used within artificial intelligence to create these type of uh, breakthrough approaches. So it is the technology that's being used uh, 
that launches or that drives or that powers that is going to be able to use be used in other areas. Like, for example, the type of did you see that when SpaceX launched the their uh, Crew Dragon Demo 2 launch and they had the two test pilots and they did uh, a view inside the cockpit and you saw those state of the art screens that that if you had a chance to see that I, I actually gave a uh, commentary, a half an hour commentary on CBS 2 News in Los Angeles when that particular launched. And one of the screenshots they had was this beautiful screen. And I just thought to myself when I saw that, that was a lot of technology to create something like that. So here we saw this beautiful screen inside of a space capsule. We more than likely will have a beautiful screen like that on our particular wall. And not only be able to look at great type of video, it may be in the future virtual reality that comes out from the wall, from the screen, from this type of technology. In order to, like, for example, launch into space, you actually have to visually coordinate rotations and movements. And that tape, type of, type of uh, technology is used within virtual reality and is used also within um, automated vehicles and cars and things like that. And so what this technology is unleashing is artificial intelligence. So it, things operate by themselves. So we, we, we just witnessed Richard Branson and, and Jeff Bezos undertake, you know, a rather, I would say, you know, a very exciting um, launch launches. And, and, and the thing I'm curious about is, how do you see that translating to the benefit of the masses? Do you think we, we will all benefit from, from their pursuits in, in the distant future? Or is this kind of something that's just entertaining for them? Or will only people that are affluent you know, have the experience of going to space? So like you, you mentioned earlier about what you learned during your days as a rocket scientist working for NASA and the fact that we're now experiencing or benefiting through the technologies you and I are interacting on right now. So that's really where my question is, your, your, your point of view regarding their, their, um, their endeavors and how it's going to impact us as a whole. Their endeavors will help us in humanity in the long run. Uh, just like I worked on the space shuttle programs and where the, the technology was used on our everyday lives that we're using right now, like, for example, with virtual technology, we're going to see this innovation being used in the future. Uh, this innovation is something uh, that's going to take it the form of artificial intelligence. It's going to take the form of uh, new visual technologies. It's going to take the form of audio um, audio learning. It's, it's going to take many different forms that we're going to see in the next five, ten, I'd say five to ten years is really what we're going to be looking at. Now, governments are going to be using this type of technology like for example uh, if we look at what facebook does right now it it has uh, information of about facial recognition and so does google and so if we look at like say the technology that facebook and google has with being able to look at facial construction and recognition each one of us has a mathematical representation to our face that's being captured on these programs and that's also being used like uh, within technologies right now uh, for example with the DNA's uh, research and the type of uh, cancer cell treatments, that same type of code that was taken from our facial recognition is then placed to the code of a DNA strand and any type of mutations is found out through the mathematics. And so there's 
uh, correctly targeted uh, medicines that's created when there's mathematical deviations from the DNA that shows the scientists, shows the medical doctors that different type of um, cancers are coming up before imaging shows that. So we're seeing the type of technology being used today from that type of innovation that was created 10 years ago. We more than likely will see that same type of technology in the future. And in my book, Answers Unleashed to the Science of Attracting What You Want, I talk about how we have these six key decisions in our faith, in our identity, in our intent, in our resources, our learning, and how we choose to love in that process. That same decision-making concept is going to be applied to these leaders of these technology corporations, these billionaires. It's They're really, honestly, risking their lives for their innovation. And so if we look at it as we're going to expect to get information from this and we're going to expect it to be provided to us, it's going to be a great opportunity for humanity as a whole to benefit from the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. You know, you know one yeah. of the reasons I, I asked you this question was because um, one of the optics that could be taken on is this was rather self-indulgent. And by asking you this question, it, it, uh, it allows the viewers to understand it goes way beyond self-indulgence. These men are actually helping push towards the future in ways that we will, should all benefit from. So, you know, I, I did want to pursue, I, I know I over pursued that with you. Do you, do you have a follow-up? Uh, you want to say something? In- yeah. Well, I look at it as they are literally placing their lives on the line and they are investing in innovation and they're literally willing to risk their lives for their investment. Uh, it's, it is a dangerous thing again, to be on top of any rocket. I don't care who you are. It is one of the most dangerous type of decisions. And the people that choose to do it are people in which I truly believe are have a certain personality where they have this desire to do something great. And I, I truly believe that we will see innovation through all of this. And it will take some time, but we will see that. And I think there's more to the picture. I'm going to put you on the spot right now. See. I'm going to ask you if you had the opportunity would you be sitting on the top of one of these rockets? There are great people who are willing to do that. I I, I am so happy for them. <laughs> Didn't mean to put you on the spot, but you brought that up about sitting on the top of rockets. Great, and I want to know, my, are you one of them? One of I, my honestly, dearest, I'm not, but go ahead. <laughs> one of my dearest friends launched, and he flew the space shuttle. Robert Kirby, he is a, a friend and mentor. He flew the space shuttle into space a number of times, and I, that was one of the things I always admired is that he had that he had that uh, uh, mental resilience to to be able to sit on something like that, and not only sit on it, he controlled the the spacecraft. Not only out of uh, out of Earth, but it also uh, he controlled it in outer space and then coming back. I mean, that takes a skill. It's no automation there. He controlled <laughs> I mean, but, it upon reentry, Olympia. Oh, they 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 have a lot. They the space shuttle program. You have to actually control everything to be able to enter it back in. It's not like what we're seeing today. So with with individuals who are like the astronauts who are doing that, I give them credit. They are amazing individuals. Uh, And 
my expertise is the mathematics and science helping them stay alive and staying safe. And so I'm gladly happy. I'm, I'm perfectly happy and glad to sit on earth and, <laughs> and help them to put do you something on spot. great. I, I, I do <laughs> want to digress for one moment because, you know, you, you made a mention about what happened with Apollo 11 where we lost three astronauts. I strongly suspect that that set the program back on its heels. Uh, is that safe to say? Well, and- it, it was set the entire world back at the same, at the, at the time of the, of that disaster, uh, Russia was also using the same type of technology to oxygenate the the system, and they also had a death uh, there with that particular use of that technology, and that changed the entire space program in the United States and in Russia. It was such a significant tragedy that the entire space program changed and the reliability and system safety aspects of space launches developed from that. And it was then ingrained into every single type of a space flight that NASA took, which was to incorporate system safety and reliability into each one of the launches so human lives would be saved and human lives would be protected. I would expect each one of these organizations, SpaceX and Blue Origin and Virgin Galactic, to have the same type of priorities. Interesting. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask Ms. LaPont a little bit about STEM, something that I'm sure is near and dear to her heart. We'll be right back. Go to our website, learn how to get free delivery from Instacart. It's quite simple. Go on their app. Choose the grocery store of your liking. They will assign a personal shopper and deliver it to your point of desire. If you're a podcaster, I cannot say enough about Buzzsprout. This is how we distribute our show, by the way. To learn more, go to our website, betweenthelines.tv. You'll see we have an offer for you. We're back, and we're with Olympia LaPont, brilliant young woman, rocket scientist, author of uh, a number of publications. Um, I want to ask you at this point, um, you're a big proponent of STEM. Can, can you tell us a little bit about your experience with STEM and how it's going to help our children, you know, thrive in the future, compete? You know, what, how will they benefit from this, Olympia? Yes. Uh, currently, right now, the United States ranks 28th out of 32 industrialized countries when it comes to science, technology, engineering, and mathematics education. Jeez. Exactly. If we look at the national statistics, nine out of 10 people have a fear of mathematics. And the mathematics is a prerequisite for all type of STEM fields, the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics careers depends on people understanding mathematics. And not only that, if you look at the freshman entry rate into the uh, university system, 60% of individuals who major in the science fields drop out their first two two years in the education. So we're looking at a huge dilemma here. We're looking at a huge problem with being ranked low in education with the amount of people that are having fear of about the mathematics in the United States. And we're also experiencing uh, a lack of people in the selection pool for these type of STEM careers. Now this comes into effect when we're dealing with um, type of company, 
company issues as well as country issues when it comes to securing people who can work on um, government proprietary type of knowledge. If we don't have the people in the United States to be able to uh, go into these fields, study these fields of the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, then we won't have the technology that we need to compete in the world. And then we are also not going to have the technology that we need to be able to solve our global problems across the world. Interesting. So the reason why I'm so passionate about making sure people understand how to solve problems using the tool of the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, otherwise known as STEM, is because when we have the next generation of people who are understanding how to use this science, then we are then developing this innovation from the start. So in the next 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now, there won't be just one person like myself working on a program who could do the numbers and reliability, who could see the future and help all the other engineers. We'll have hundreds of them. So my goal is to have so many people out there like myself who are solving problems, creating ways for people to think differently and for uh, creating the type of education that we need to be able to move forward with designing groundbreaking science. Can I ask you, what's the, what's the particular significance, say, for women and, and, and young girls in inner city? Oh, uh, the statistics what I read when before I went into rocket science was one out of 31,000 African-American women uh, become a rocket scientist or get a PhD in the sciences. One out of, 30, one out of 31,000, you have a better chance of being hit by lightning twice than to go that route. Interesting. And for me, I realized that I was going to beat the odds. I was going to find a way to beat the odds and become that one. And my mission has always been, I will not be the only one. There'll be other women. There'll be other people of color. There'll be other men, let's say, that who failed mathematics before. There will be many people who will go into these fields and realize that they have a brilliant ability in front of them. And these abilities will be able to translate into great opportunities in the future. And that's my mission. It's very rare for a person like myself to come out of poverty and rise up the chain and launch, help launch 28 NASA spatial missions into space and then go on and write a series of educational books to generate millions of followers to, to help them understand how to do science, technology, engineering, mathematics. I am determined that me Breaking or beating the odds, I should say, me beating the odds is not something that is going to be, um, is not going to be in vain, but rather it's going to be something in which is going to help millions of people down the line. And that's what I'm here to do is help people understand science so they know how to solve their problems. Yeah, that's going to lead me into the next discussion with you about uh, the current affairs or conditions that we're plagued with in this country today, you and I living in the same world. I'll tell you something interesting. Um, I know you came out of an indigent, uh, from an indigent background, so did I. I lived in in a little community called Bedford-Stuyvesant in Brooklyn. I was the only Caucasian child on the block. It was quite, yes, yeah, let me tell you this little story. My father um, met my mother riding boxcars during the Depression in St. Louis, Missouri. My mother was from Arkansas. 
they got married in St. Louis. We ended up in New York. And, um, you know, they, we were of meager means, to put it to you politely. And it was an incredible experience for me because it gave me an immense amount of insight into a community that most people do not understand. And um, I know that you are keenly plugged into uh, what's hamstringing our, our minority communities. And, and I often speak to it myself. And um, like yourself, and I, I'm not exactly a scientific problem solver. I've lived a considerable amount of my life employing common sense, logic, reason, decency, civility, and truth. So um, I know we're looking at a lot of the, the same problems. I'm curious as to your views regarding uh, the crime in our inner cities, the overall animus, uh, the disparity in which people live, the poverty, the lack of education, a lack of housing, the lack of proper nutrition, and it can go on and on and on. Uh, I just want to know what, what, what you're thinking in regards to this. Because you're uh, a problem truly, solver. Yeah, yeah, thank you. I, I truly believe that uh, poverty can be transformed, and it's going to be transformed through making sure people know what their choices are. And I say that from experience. And I, I truly believe it doesn't matter if you're white, black, uh, Native American, Latino, Indian, doesn't matter. When you're raised in poverty, when you experience poverty, it is something that is very tough to deal with. Everything from uh, not having enough food to eat to not having sometimes toilet tissue when you need it. I mean, things like this, things like terrible like that. And you're, you're seeing it uh, with uh, like uh, with homeless individuals that are out uh, now. You're seeing it with uh uh, it, children who are, don't have food to eat on a regular basis and they can't go to school. I mean, this is this is what we're dealing with right now. As as we are looking at this type of situation, we are looking at an ability for people to use that problem-solving mentality approach to be able to get through each day into finding a way to be able to transform your life. I'm a firm believer that people who are raised in these type of environments are the greatest leaders in the future because they have this natural ability to be able to see the terrible type of situation and the the survival type of situations and actually find a way to be able to survive and get through it. That same type of thinking is what applies to innovation. I truly believe that if we start investing into places which needs help within education, within healthcare, within housing, if we start investing into people with scholarships, with uh, opportunities, with health, if we start investing into these areas and into uh, these opportunities to be able to help the living situations of people in the United States and people across the world and not look at poverty as a horrible thing, but look at poverty as an investment. If we can take the type of uh, situation and invest in the type of thinking that people naturally have to be able to get out of these environments and actually start educating them to be able to use their skills and abilities in a way that brings in innovation. That's how we change the world. And that's how we change 
uh, these type of horrible situations that we are all facing as inhumanity into a way in which is going to benefit everybody. You know, um, I, I think you and I would agree that adversity and disappointment builds your character. We're alluding to that in this conversation. It's, I believe it's a critical element to your development. Um, the thing I do want to say is um, inspiring young people and people in general is critically important. I also do believe, though, we need to invest. You use the term invest. We need to invest in many, many ways, in particular, into the minority community to help them kind of reinvent and redefine themselves and and eliminate this disparity in which they live. As I mentioned to you earlier, I lived it. I've been in homes. I know what goes on. I was a police officer also. So I have had a really kind of interesting journey as to uh, education after my academic endeavors. I got it prior and it continued afterwards. I think we need to start to put some effort in the form of money and bodies, creating environments where children can live, uh, can learn, for example. In other words, you know, your discussions are inspirational. It gives them food for thought. I say we also now create environments where they can go in and learn, not just be in environments where order is maintained, that their streets are safer, that they don't have to worry about becoming uh, collateral damage to bad boys' behavior, that their housing is brought up to snuff, that their diet and their medical, because you know and I know, your medical care, if you are living in Harlem, and I'm sure you're familiar a little bit with Harlem, or you're living in Midtown Manhattan off Park Avenue, is is, is uh, quite different. And I think we need to start to invest in that capacity along with um, motivating them, changing their thought process and teaching them they can accomplish more. You know, one of the things that bothers me today is that um, we're in such a divide. You know, the, the rhetoric is wrong. You know, we're not galvanizing people we're polarizing them a lot of us are talking about problems last week i listened to them once again remind us of 56 shootings in chicago and either it was 11 people were dead of 15 i don't think it really matters as to that number but this is an ongoing problem why are we not figuring out how to address this issue and it, what it translates to, I hate to say this, is the infusion of massive amounts of capital that I believe, as taxpayers, we are responsible for, that I would like to see big business voluntarily, not through the form of socialism by mandate, participate in contributing. We have to reinvent these communities. I say this to people remorsefully. I, 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 I truly, I, I agree with, uh, with aspects of what you're saying. And what I see is, these large corporations that are sending people to space have the awful, also the opportunity to actually uh, pour in that same type of money into these areas of poverty to educate the people in the science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. Uh, if we if we look at just the educational system right now with the, the young uh, people, uh, if we look at impoverished people during the pandemic alone. Uh, it was estimated that eight out of 10 kids in an impoverished area did not have the technology to go online to be able to take their Zoom classes. That's what we're looking at. So if we have organizations that will actually provide the technology for low-income people, as what you were saying, on a voluntary basis, to realize that we have the next generation of innovators right in front of us, and it's our opportunity to invest in individuals. These young kids and, and the people who are in these situations will realize that there's more to life 
uh, than what they're currently seeing. And there's options that exist outside of their environment where they can contribute to solutions. So when they have, they know that they have those options that makes their ability to see their future in that quantum deciding sense, they'd be able to see their future in a way that actually helps and actually uh, not only helps themselves, but helps other people. Yeah. I think we need to change that living environment. I think everything we're speaking about today uh, will become what we call the sum of all parts. Um, I, I just, uh, I am uh, unusually plugged into it to be very candid with you growing up the way I did. And uh, I just wanted your thoughts on that. I, I do want to ask you, do you have any uh closing comments you would like to volunteer um any thoughts yourself you want to because we're going to wrap this and give you a chance to escape (laughs) Uh, i i love science i'm the biggest fan of science uh and i helped launch 28 nasa space shuttle missions into space and it was my journey of getting to that point that allowed me to be able to see that we each have options in front of us, but we have to be able to know how to use our decisions in order to reach that outcome, that beautiful outcome that we see. And not only that, we have to know that we have options to begin with so we can see the future that we want. I'm, I'm a firm believer that each one of us has the ability to make six different decisions in our, uh, in our faith, in our identity, in our intent in how we learn and using our resources and how we love ourselves and others in these trying times. And when we realize that we have these decisions during any moment in time, that's when we unleash a decision-making power that ignites innovation and actually pulls us towards the future that we want. And it gives us the opportunity to create the future that we want. I'm very thankful to be on TV talking about science, uh, giving virtual keynotes through uh, my agency, as well as promoting science on AnswersUnleashed.com, where my books are located. And I'm very thankful uh, to be a person who is ushering in science and creative problem solving and innovation in a way that's going to change not only today, but in the future and centuries to come. And I want to thank Olympic. and I want yeah. to thank you for taking the time today to speak with us um, and providing us your insight, your wisdom, um, volunteering, your journey, which is highly relevant and, and it should be inspirational to everyone. And and I just want to thank you for for taking the time to meet with us. Um, be sure to go to Between the Lines to learn more about uh, Olympia as well as the, her her books. Uh, Answers Unleashed and Answers Unleashed too, and uh, this has been quite a privilege and you are um, quite impressive to put it to you politely. Thank you. Good luck to you. Oh, thank you and it has been a pleasure to be on your show. My pleasure. Go to our website learn learn how to get free delivery from Instacart. It's quite simple. Go on their app, choose the grocery store of your liking, They will assign a personal shopper and deliver it to your point of desire. If you're a podcaster, I cannot say enough about Buzzsprout. This is how we distribute our show, by the way. To learn more, go to our website, betweenthelines.tv. You'll see we have an offer for you. And so for today, my closing thoughts are are somewhat uh, simple. This young woman is inspirational. Most importantly, she's become a, a, a positive influence in the culture. Clearly a problem solver, 
and an individual that's now dedicating her life to helping others, especially um, women and children uh, in indigent neighborhoods. And I believe this this applies universally. Her her endeavors are not just limited to one demographic. I think we can all benefit from understanding her life, how she got there, and how she thinks about embracing life and and how to get through obstacles, you know, that you're faced on a daily basis. You know, it was, it was quite an interesting exchange with her, an amazing amount of insight and um, a real departure from the norm because she's just so scientifically based. I mean, what she gleaned from working at NASA is some things that we poss- we couldn't even possibly un- begin to understand, to sit in those, those environments and be responsible for the safety of other people's lives. And it's not just the success of these missions, but how that translates to other people's safety. So, and as she mentioned during this discussion, you know, how this science will ultimately benefit all of us. So I'm, I'm just pleased and honored that she took the time to, to uh, meet with us today and speak with us today. And I'm hoping we can hear from her again in the future. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining us. And again, I remind you, you can find us at between the lines.tv. I'm Lou Palumbo, and this has been between the lines. Mm-hmm.